lovely. Good morning, and welcome to the online radio voice of the University of Colorado in Colorado Springs. You are tuned to us. We are located at the foot of Majestic Pikes Peak, so keep it tuned to radio.uccs.edu and get in touch with us on Twitter. That's UCCS Online Radio, where we keep you entertained, involved, and excited about foreign language today because we are here at Tom's Internet Language Cafe or Foreign Language Cafe. We've changed it several times, but it is Tom's place. And we are talking with some exciting folks. Tom, Tom, talk to us and tell us what we can look forward to today. Well, good morning, everybody. And thank you very much for listening. And um, um, would like to... Okay, um, we're going to... Yeah. Well, I'll talk a little bit while, while Alejandro Fernandez is singing that beautiful song. <laughs> right, he's, he doesn't want to be quiet. He doesn't want to be quiet, poor guy. Now he does. Now he's being quiet. Better. Better be quiet. Alejandro, for heaven's sake. Hold on. There we are. One second. All right. Okay. Where it's a beautiful day right now. So we're coming to spring, thank goodness. And welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe. And we're, we're going to sit down, relax, and join. Uh, you people can all join us for World Language News. What's happening in the trenches? And so what we try to do in the show is to show, highlight the positive things happening in world language education, of which there are many. And we also like to talk about... Uh, the great, great successes that the great teachers out there are having. So we talk to young teachers, we talk to, to middle-aged teachers, we talk to older teachers. So you mean vintage. Vintage, right. not older. older. Vintage is like uh, fine wine, you know? Vintage teachers, fine wine <laughs> teachers. And uh, so we talk to everybody in the show. And uh, the goal is that we're going to have people around the country talking about the positive things going in world of language education. And our next show will be done live from the Ohio Language Conference in Columbus, Ohio. Great. Uh, on Friday, I think it's April the 8th. So we're going to do it live, uh, as we did from Central States. So we're going to do a live show from the Ohio Language Conference, which should be great fun. So don't miss out on the next show. I want to thank Mars, University of Colorado and Colorado Springs, for bringing this program about. And uh, also, I uh, uh, would encourage you to visit uh, radioucccs.edu, where you can find archives of the programs. And uh, if they're not archived there, you can go to my website, masterclassworkshops.com, where they're all going to be there as well. And um, so that it's just a, a fun place to go with a lot of different shows uh, and to show you what can be done with online radio. UCCS has done a tremendous amount uh, to, to further online radio. But uh, it's people like you, Tom, that make it happen because you've got the connection. You've got the spirit, you've got the passion, and the focus. Passion without focus is nothing. You have passion, focus, and you're pretty smart. So... Put it all together and we get success. <laughs> Look at that smile. He's just the sweetest thing. Yes. Thank you very much. The uh, other thing I want to mention is uh, the university where I teach at uh, Butler University is in the final 16, and they play tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. I heard about it. In New Orleans, so be careful. Uh, <laughs> could be the underdog at work here, so we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, everybody at this college is really pumped about this basketball, and, and this is the se second year in a row that we've gotten this far, so uh, we're very excited about that. Um, the upcoming language conference is a note to Fort, in Fort Worth, Texas, as, as Southwest Colt as, uh, is having their conference April 7th to the 9th uh, in Fort Worth, Texas, and the Ohio Language Conference is in Columbus, Ohio, April 7th to the 9th. And the Ohio folks, too, are really a lively, lively group of language teachers. So if you're around the area, I encourage you to go to the conference 
uh, and, and take advantage of all the wonderful sessions that are going to be there. Um, well, today we have some special guests that uh, a really neat variety of people doing a lot of really positive, creative um, uh, teaching strategies and ideas in, in world language education. And uh, so we're going to learn a lot today. And I would encourage anybody who is listening, if you have any uh, young teachers out there who are in methods classes, that they come and listen to the shows because this is our fourth That's fourth a show. good idea. And I think if they would listen to the shows, they probably wouldn't even have to take my many methods classes. But so we've done a lot of teaching strategies if you listen to the three previous shows. But um, it would be a nice supplement to uh, world language methods classes to listen to the ideas that the people who are on the show uh, talk about because they're incredibly creative people. And uh, that's why we have our show. So that we Are you going to let them talk then? The, be the best in the country. So. <laughs> Uh, Marge wants me to let you talk. So, Good thinking. Uh, without further ado, <laughs> I've had too much caffeine today. Okay, so the, the first person I'm going to introduce is Dr. Angie Ridgway, a professor of education at the University of Indianapolis. And she's going to tell you a little bit about the education department at the University of Indianapolis, uh, some of the, her initiatives that she's doing uh, that are incredibly creative, as I said before, and some of the uh, uh, politics going on in education in Indiana and uh, I would like to also mention uh, one of her dear friends Dan Briere, Dr. Briere who's uh, the liberal arts dean uh, and uh, Dan used to be a Spanish professor and uh, we were happy that he got that position so please say hello to him for us. Okay Angie. Hi Tom, it's good to talk with you this morning. It's good to talk to you. You're probably thinking, gosh, I finally get a talk. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> no, I've worked with you before, Tom. <laughs> um, Tom, I want to introduce my colleague, um, Dr. Amy Shaker, who is the Chair of Modern Language at University of Indianapolis, and one of our wonderful students, Mr. Josh Rogers, who's an aspiring French and Spanish major. Hi, Amy. Mm. Hi, Josh. Well, Congratulations uh, to you, welcome Josh. Welcome to the show, and thank you all of you for being on the show. In case we forget when we get go rolling here, that the, please uh, thank the school for letting you do this, and we thank all of you for being on the show. Thank you, and Tom, I, I want to highlight that uh, you have University of Colorado out west for preparing great teachers, and for the Midwest, of course, uh, UND, www.und.edu. Uh, is a great place to explore becoming a teacher and a modern language teacher along, of course, with your sister institution, Butler University. And I thought we might want to talk a little bit, Tom, about um, some of the technologies that Amy and Josh are implementing in their language classes. That and sounds great. And we also might talk about um, Josh as a student actually is designing an overseas trip for 20 individuals. Wonderful. about 20 people and I thought we might want to talk about some of the considerations a language teacher has to make in terms of traveling abroad with students. Absolutely, especially nowadays, but we can't see them. So can they come on screen with you? Oh, ah, here we the, go. Yeah, there you go. All right. We can see Josh maybe. Why doesn't he kind of uh, close in a little bit? How's that? That sounds like fun. There, there you go, Josh. Oh, there he is. Oh, wonderful. If you got a little closer, we could see all of you. Good. Wonderful. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, okay. So, Amy, you want to start, start off and tell us what you're doing? About, uh, Angie mentioned that you were extremely gifted with technology. So. Well, um, we've actually made the shift recently at UND um, from one learning management system to another, and this shift kind of allowed me this moment to reevaluate how I use technology in the classroom. Um, so I was one of the people who was testing the new system, and so I've been able to teach in it for a while. And I've been looking, I've been using a lot of, my big challenge was um, how do you get students interacting online with foreign languages, getting them the oral component, which is something that we often think of as really impossible in the online setting. Right. Um, I've been doing a lot with uh, VoiceThread lately, and Josh has been the victim of many <laughs> experiments. Um, so I've actually got a grant right now that um, is allowing me to develop um, a parallel component for my audio, and kind of an audio component of my 
class and then a written component like an online writing workshop so um, I'm kind of hoping that I'll have this face-to-face -face classroom experience three days a week and then um, online modules um, two days a week so voice thread for those of you who aren't familiar with it um, it's a great new tool um, that you can use to upload video and PowerPoints and, and photos and in that sense then you can comment either with typing or um, video camera or just audio on what's going on. So you can create um, basically an audio thread, so like a forum, but in a, an audio um, and visual format. So, so my question is, is this a canned? Is this a canned program? It's it's a prepared program that you just in orchestrate according to your own need. Then it's actually it's an online. Um, it's a web two tool, so it's online okay. and there are virtual I mean there are free accounts which you can create a 30 second sort of clip but then there's the the site licenses so we have a small site license at the university um, so that way um, but it's always free for the students to use so I can create kind of what I've done with a class Josh is in um, in a literature class um, on two days a week, we, you know, are in class discussing novels. Right. And on, on Fridays, we do an online um, kind of virtual lecture about poetry where I can actually take a screenshot of my computer as I analyze a poem. So I'm writing on the computer, and they can see all of the, um, the ways in which I'm looking at language. Um, and then I can upload that whole thing onto VoiceThread. And they can make, you know, I make them make a recording of the poem every time they have to, um, you know, to get used to the cadence of a poem. And then I make them do some analysis as well. So um, it's a nice way of getting them used to hearing French. And then also I can have them reply back in asynchronous ways. So I can just say, hey, you know, everyone has to answer these questions or make a comment here or there. So I can listen to them without losing that time in class, you know, where students get bored a lot, where you want everyone to practice, right. well, waiting. student A is practicing, student B gets bored. So it's nice in that way. Now, Amy, what level of class would you be using this in? Would this I be all levels? I use it at all different levels. So um, I used it, I first started using it in our introductory and intermediate levels where, you know, I would post a little lecture, a mini lecture, like a five minute mini lecture about, you know, prepositions or mm -hmm. direct objects. And then I would walk them through some assignment and then I might show them pictures and I want them to um, reply to the pictures. I've used, I've uploaded five pictures before that, that tell a story. Um, and so that's how I teach narrative style with imperfect and better. And I say everyone has to come up with one sentence in the imperfect one with the president that has to do with this story. So for every student in that class, they're writing their, or they're speaking two sentences per picture. So we end up with really full and rich story, um, and it's audio. So I make them type it out and then speak it. So um, and it's nice because again, that's something you'd like to be able to accomplish in class. But if your class is big, you're not going to get through it. Right. So it's nice an online asynchronous um, <coughs> part of that lets you. Really, and then I can make comments back and say, "Hey, good job! Um, you know, you might want to put that one in the preterite because," mm -hmm. and I can really explain things. Well, this that is interesting too. Place. Outstanding. I'm and, thinking. And, and, yeah, Amy, what about the? How would you advise a young teacher today, starting out, or even veteran teachers who've been in the classroom many years? How would you advise them as to? Where would you fit in technology in a classroom? We've talked about this in the other shows, and there seems to be some agreement and disagreement on how much time technology should occupy during a class session, or should it be more supplemental um, and still live in class, et cetera, et cetera. How would you work technology? And if you were giving people advice, you'd say, well, we have to do technology, but up to what point do they should they really get involved? Because some of them get really get involved, I think, and then there's some that really resist, right? And I'm sure you see that probably yeah. at your place too. Pretty a national theme. Um, so, what would you say to the people for advice? Well, 
Well, I don't think you want to use technology for technology's sake. I mean, you don't want to be using it just because you want to be cutting edge. But I think you really have to think of how can it augment what I already what's important to me in the classroom. And one way that I think I found really useful is in the cultural aspect of teaching languages because students want to know what's going on in, in the country they're studying, what current events. So it's nice to be able to see with um, websites like TV5, tvsanks.org in the U.S. I mean, you can watch last, you know, up to the minute newscasts with subtitles and transcripts. And I mean, that's a way of getting them authentic and an authentic experience with the language and, and the news. And I like, so I think that's an important way. Again, with the class I taught with Josh, a culture class, um, we were talking about stereotypes. So one of the great ways to say, you know, what are our stereotypes of French people? But on the reverse side, what do French people think about us? And so I, one of the things I did was to be able to pull up little short videos from YouTube. But one was a stand-up scene from Robin Williams about French people. But it's funny, but then when you start hearing the, the things French people think about us, it gets a little crazy. And so I found um, a forum. This is a French language forum where some girl posted um, a question to her forum readers about she wanted to make a Valentine's Day dinner for her boyfriend who loved everything American. So what could she make for him that was typically American? <laughs> and, and so, and Josh is laughing because, you know, then they're seeing something authentic. It wasn't targeted at the U.S. It was, you know, yeah. we were the voyeurs. And uh, they, we had lots of lovely <laughs> um, ideas like mac and cheese, um, meatloaf. <laughs> oh, yes. You could do something really crazy and serve cheese before dinner. And they were just appalled that the Americans would eat cheese before dinner on sticks. Well. <laughs> so it was this nice way of, it was funny and fun. It was the first week of class, but really saying, hey, look, culture doesn't exist in a vacuum. Technology gives us access to this. So that's one way. I think it's really appropriate. But it wasn't just, hey, look how flashy this is. It was really, look what you can see by by. Right. Yeah. So in a given lesson plan, let's say the class is, what, 50 minutes long or an hour to that effect, how much technology would you give to the class in, in a 50 minutes or an hour? Would you still do half the class traditionally, half the class with technology? How would you do that? Um, I would say, in a, and I like to break up my classes to where, um, you know, our beginning classes are five days a week. So my four days I'm pretty intense on skills and and really things like this and then my Fridays tend to be what I call um, cultural you know like engaging days where we can do sometimes we play card games in French and we just it's really immersion and so those days tend to be technology driven um, my other days um, you know we're almost always at least maybe 10 or 15 minutes watching this clip of YouTube and, um, but not just to watch it, but to really use it, to right. watch, pause it, rewind it. Right. Um, and then after the, after you do the 10 or 15 minutes, do you then go back to a traditional setting, group work and type yeah. thing? Yeah. And a lot of times I like to integrate them. Um, you know, when I'm teaching, I mean, music, I count as kind of technology, I guess. So um, when I'm teaching the use of the imperfect before I even get to how to use it with the preterite, I'm just talking about, you know, talking about how things used to be, you know, and I get them talking about what they used to do when they were kids, and then I have them listen to a Charles Aznavour song that's completely about the bohemian lifestyle in Montmartre, so it's a cultural thing, and then, you know, I might show a little clip of Moulin Rouge, which is about that time period, so to give them a visual of, hey, this is what he's talking about. This doesn't exist anymore. He's nostalgic. It's the imperfect. So, you know, try to get that mm -hmm. traditional in with the technology. Okay. Here's a question for you, Amy. What is your favorite teaching strategy for getting the students to speak French? Uh, um, well, <laughs> Such a question. <laughs> so, an interesting question. What, what, what's your favorite thing that, that you do to get the students to actually speak French in context? Okay. Well, <laughs> um, in a beginning class, um, I don't know 
reward system <laughs> strategies, but I have been known to write people's names on the board if they don't if they don't if they speak English, and then they have to redeem themselves and get their name erased off the board by saying substantive things. <laughs> um, but yeah. But a lot of times I think, you know, they get very tripped up about not having, you know, their their vocabulary and maybe syntax is down at the level, you know, way below their intellect. And so you want to give them a chance to say things that are important to them without infantilizing them. And I think that's the hardest part um, when you're dealing with high schoolers and college students is is really, and so a lot of times I think if they can relate to what they're saying, they want to say it in French. They want to do the red carpet um, analysis from the French, you know, the Caesars. So I tell them it's the French Oscars. So I'm like, okay. Okay. That's interesting. Would you say basically that um, you are creating a hybrid course then, Amy? I'm thinking that in our particular, in our particular uh, area, we are encouraging our teachers to do a hybrid course. Yes, and that's what I'm. Um, my grant is to develop a hybrid class, a, a whole hybrid curriculum for our beginning and intermediate um, series of classes. Good. So now, tell, could you tell us a little bit about the grants? Do these grants come from the, the uh, district, uh, the university, or uh, how does that happen? Yeah, this is an internal university grant. This is the first year That's that wonderful. Um, come out. Um, there's, I've got one, and then there's two people in the School of Education, actually, mm -hmm. who've got one. Um, and so it, it's nice in that it's really geared at technology. So the whole idea of this grant is to use technology in new ways. So it's, it's kind of the, something that the university has become very invested in um, recently, and I think it's a positive trend. And I think if I can dovetail on that, in terms of preparing teachers, Tom, we're really looking, just like Amy said, at um, technology as a means of contextualizing the languages. Mm -hmm. Um, making it more authentic so that our students here and then their future students are not learning the language just from print but from the realia that's now available to us that wasn't 15 or 20 years ago. Yes. And so um, some of the things that Amy's spoken about and things like, you know, the three-dimensional Google Maps, um, we have a Second Life site in teacher education where they're preparing um, school leaders with a Second Life scenario and they're going to publish that. Those kinds of things that are um, nearly authentic and highly contextualized are not only motivational for college students, but they're motivational for high school students as well. Right. And as a supplement, a wonderful idea, and especially the, the Internet. Uh, and, and Amy mentioned this about the use of culture which is probably the most powerful tool, I think, of anything mm -hmm. that, that's out there, uh, other than the Skype, uh, with live, you know, one-to-one -one maybe, or small groups with students uh, here and in Colombia or, or España right. or whatever, or in Paris or, or, or uh, other places in the world. Uh, that The idea of the reality is important. Uh, however, this is, it, it is reality, but it's still virtual reality. So. Um, I always throw that in because I like to think that we still are going to do live stuff in class with one-to-one -one human contact. So that's my little blurb on that. But it, uh, I know Marge is. We talk about this quite a bit, and uh, it's difficult because there's so many wonderful things technology-wise. How do you yes. work all these things in teaching? And it's tough for the, you guys, the teachers to be able to do this. It, it, it's not an easy chore. As Amy said, you have these wonderful technology tools. And uh, where do you meet the happy, strike a happy median uh, with, with live in-class participation and also the, the live uh, virtual uh, reality things? So there's so many things. Um, I have one question, if I may, and that is, could, would Amy be able to repeat the uh, video component that you discussed was it tv.net or what was that that you mentioned earlier where you oh, that's 
um, TV5, so the number 5 not spelled out, TV5.org. Right. Uh, and that's actually a an, an really great website. It's a, a satellite channel that comes out from France, but they have put together some great um, pedagogical tools. Oh, so, that's lovely. Uh, okay. Yes, every week they come out with a newscast that's for pedagogical reasons, so if you can I click see. on it, and it has a whole dossier in there. Oh, that's good. Um, and they do a great job. And they also TV have TV5.org, you know, good. Now, the reason that I'm asking this, Amy, is because I have connected with one of three areas that I think is really important. Well, actually all three. One is Spanish Internet Television, which will give you every channel that is being broadcast in the Spanish language around the world. And that is pure news coming at you, pure music, pure whatever it is that you're looking for. And all you have to do is go to Spanish Internet Television, period, and it's a multilingual base. Uh, there is no pedagogical component to it, so it's all raw footage. Then we also have Spanish Internet Radio. If people, if you are trying to get them to really hear and catch it rather than just see it and catch it. And then Spanish Internet Newspapers. Same thing. Every newspaper printed in the Hispanic world is on those uh, websites. I've found great success with that because I've been able to take a blurb from any one of those things and use it in a class, but then I have to develop my own pedagogical format for it. You so. notice Marge is a person of blurbs. Uh, <laughs> of what? talks with blurbs. Blurbs? blurbs? She's always getting blurbs. But anyway, <laughs> Amy, here's the question. Did I blurb? No, you're fine. <laughs> okay. You're blurbing away. Okay, All right. doing good. Here's the question for you, Amy. Uh, talked about this in a couple of the shows. Uh, this is for all world languages, a show, right? What would you say, why would people, why should they study French? Because they really should. And uh, it's a beautiful language and they should be studying it. We need to get more people studying French, German, Chinese, Arabic, all the languages. Uh, and we seem to be a little slow in the United States sometimes at getting other languages involved. And we've had the big push on Spanish, uh, but we somehow seem to have neglected sometimes the other languages. How can we improve that? What would you do or what advice would you give the listeners about how to improve enrollments in other languages? Well, I think um, the interesting thing is, and I think one of the reasons Spanish is so popular is because there's this general push in higher education to make things very practical. It has to be, you know, quote-unquote useful, and people don't see that in, in French. So one of the ways you, I think, to kind of snag them, um, get them in the door is to say, hey, look, uh, French remains a very relevant language, um, still the language of UN. Um, it's an international language. Um, it's the... Um, second most taught second language out there um, and you know it's not just France it's Africa it's all these places so I think that initial convincing gets them in the door um, but what I think that you really have to do to keep them in the door and I've had uh, good success with this um, the French department was we only had two majors when I started here and now we've got uh, about eight, which is big for a, a, a language program. So, in in our uh, of our size, so I've done a lot, and I think a lot of it is that, you know, you get them in the door, but really giving them an experience that a language, um, that reflection, that pullback that it gives you about your own culture, your own experience, that's all valuable. And I think what we see a lot is people who are double majoring, and I think they see that that language is a valuable a component of their primary topic, we get a lot of international relations and history, mm -hmm. um, people who see that this really gives them access to another point of view, to critical thinking skills mm -hmm. that you don't um, get. I mean, so I think that's kind of my method is to kind of get them in the door with the practical speech and then nag them and keep them in there with, um, no. you know, the, the new world yeah. view that they get. But I think Josh can speak to that. Uh, I mean, did you get French? I'm going to throw a comment in, Amy. Oh. This you have to do an article on this. You should do an article, you and Angie and Josh, er, and uh, and uh, Josh. How about this? Snag them and keep them in the door. That's kind of cute. That's what you just said. I mean, that's a great title for an article. Snag them and keep them in the door. 
the that other, they need. There's something, there's something interesting too. Portuguese is not really uh, being promoted as a as a second language as as much as it should be. And now with the growth of Brazil. Uh, as a commercial giant, I think that we really need to be considering incorporating this. And one of my models for uh, adulation, I think, see, did I blurb again? One of my models for that is a, a young lady by the name of Annie Murphy, who is an NPR reporter. She's pretty much a roving reporter in South America, and she covered the Chilean a mining incident. She was in Brazil a few weeks ago. She's probably no older than 27 or 28 years of age, and her Spanish is perfect. Her Portuguese is is perfect, and that's what she does. So this kind of thing is a real boon for students. I celebrate her uh, in my classes and say, this is what this young lady's doing because she knows these languages and she's just doing her journalistic best uh, for NPR and she is magnificent. The same as uh, Richard Engel in Arabic. How he learned Arabic was that he lived in Egypt for of six months or a year or so living in an apartment and he learned Arabic right there in situ as it were this is what students really need to know it's not just it's not just um, a frill it's not it's not an elitist issue it's a world issue and we need to be able to speak these people's languages because they speak ours why can't we speak theirs simple and you know what I think, if I can chime in there, Mark, sure. you know what I think um, really helps as I work with adolescents and then college students is to tell my own story. Um, tell it. My parents tell it my to parents us. Yes. Yeah, my parents didn't speak other languages. I had a huge interest in other languages. I went and lived overseas and learned some of a third language. And I think once students hear your stories and how many exactly. connections and how many lessons right. you can have that you don't have if you're monolingual, um, they start to have those aspirations as well. And as Amy says, if you design your instruction so that they can be successful in learning to speak, which we know the research shows that's why students take languages primarily, right. then um, they, they develop an internal motivation for um, learning new languages and cultures. I want to make sure if we have a moment, Tom, that we shift to Josh's topic of international travel with students before yes. we have to close out. Okay. Uh, one thing I w w wanted to comment on about uh, Amy here is, in, and it's just, she's such a great example for teachers out there in the field, is the variety that she brings to the profession and her 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 brilliance of culture, understanding, and uh, those are things for the young teachers out there you have to be thinking about. And what Amy was just been talking about, how she structures her classes and the creativity. And uh, one of the things on the show that we've noticed is the creativity of language teachers is, is really has no end. And uh, we have somebody, and Amy is a good example of this, uh, and how fortunate U of I is to have Amy there and Angie and Josh, right? The, these great creative minds. So um, nothing better than making a good team. No, there isn't. <laughs> and it's a great team and a great university too. Uh, so we're going to move next to Josh, who's going to talk to us a little bit about this um, project that he's. It's a, a, a honors project. And Josh, first of all, happened to apparently. Uh, Josh, right? I believe it was at my school when I uh, taught at Ben Davis High School, and he took French. And he knows Madame Geckler, uh, now Ma is Madame uh, Geckler uh, Mance. And uh, so uh, he, he studied with her and, and a, a dear friend of our, our family. And um, uh, and also with Amy Karras, I suppose, right? Was it Amy at Fulton? I had, in middle school, I had Mary Jane Cass. Oh, that's right. You've met Mary Jane, but Mary Jane has since yeah, retired. Okay, we're going to let you tell us about the project, Josh, and why, first of all, why do you, uh, you want to be a language teacher? Because you're a French-Spanish major, right? Right. And why do you want to teach language? And then maybe tell us about your project. Well, much in the way with Dr. Ridgway, my parents didn't, didn't were were monolingual. They were not bilingual. We didn't, you know, have the diversity at, at home. 
I did an exploratory class with French and Spanish, and I fell in love with the French. And I think a lot of it has to do with the teachers I had. So much of being a teacher is not only selling your product, but selling yourself. Um, I think it's important, and with Madame Cass and Madame Denver both, I had these charismatic teachers who brought a variety to to class and, and opened up a world for me, um, a world that I didn't even know existed. And so when they did that, it instilled in me this love of language and this love of French and language, and, and I picked up Spanish when I came to the university. So I... I had I had this fire in me that they instilled in me that I want to share with other students as well. So that's that's why I want to be. Here. That, that's awesome, and um, you can tell that Josh is certainly inspired just from listening to him. And isn't it wonderful? He's going to be out there teaching. So but I'd like to hear about his trip. Yes, my trip. The interesting thing about the University of Indianapolis is we have this two to three week time, in usually in May, called spring term. Everyone has to take a spring term class. A lot of the spring term classes are international travel. Some of them are on campus and do things within the city, but a lot of them that is a chance for people to travel. Last year I did a spring term class with Amy about, and it was geared around medieval France. And as I was going through and experiencing these things, I realized that international travel is an important component of language education. However, in at the University of Indianapolis, a spring term travel class can have no prerequisites or language requirements. So it's open to everyone. So the thing is how to build a class and do this. So what we did is for my honors project through the honors college, I proposed and to design a class that revolves around the Arthurian legends and the, particularly the Brit British and French cycles. Uh, these two cycles will, will travel through southern England and northern France and before we go we're reading some of the legends and talking about how these romances came about. But what I like about the spring term trip is it's only a two-week class but it opens up the chance for international travel to people who a, either do not have the chance to do this year or semester abroad, and it also, for those people who are considering that, it opens up the chance to get your feet wet, because in that two-week time, you really, with so much going on, you really don't have the chance for the homesickness to kick in. So it's a good, <laughs> it's a good way to get your feet wet and and start experience, experiencing other cultures firsthand. And how many... Amy has Karen chaperone. Yes, yes, chaperone. How many course credits are there involved? Um, it's a three-credit course. Great. And they receive credit for for that course uh, in your university as well. So the price would be the uh, the major calling card, right? The um, The... Fortunately, when you do this international travel, the there is no tuition cost with it. It is just the cost for the trip itself, the airfare, um, lodging, the and that's one of the things that I've learned. Another reason I propose this trip is as I'm not looking for a job. It also kind of gives me an edge up, I think, in learning what it takes to put together an international trip and the lead students and everything that you have to take in the into consideration and there's a lot to take into consideration <laughs> oh quite a bit but I, I'm waiting to hear the amount that it costs total well we, we always try most spring term classes in, at the university try to cap their their cost at $3,000 our trip that includes the airfare the breakfast and breakfast and dinner every day lodging entrance fees, ground transportation. And that's, it's really possible to do this. We have worked with a last year and this year, and our, one of the German professors who's the registrar, Mary Beth Bad, works with a company in Germany called OIK, which really makes these trips affordable for students 
and really made it possible for us to do this. That's wonderful. And with the euro being the way it is in, in relationship to the dollar, people have to really be careful as far as how much money they're spending. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so Josh, you're going to take this information that you've, all the information that you've acquired here and, and knowledge, uh, you're going to use that when you get into the high school arena, right? To, to right. take students on trips, which is a great idea, fascinating idea. Right, because one of the things that I considered myself fortunate to do when I was in high school was the IU Honors Program, and to spend, spend that summer in France as a teenager, and going back now, seeing it through different eyes, it's really, it's really interesting to see. So, the, that obviously had a lot to do with you studying more French, too, right, the, the IU Honors Program. Uh, yes. If, if people probably don't know what that is, it's one of the great programs for high school students to study uh, their language in another country. And it's been going some 35, 40 years now, I suppose, and uh, through Indiana University in Bloomington. And um, hopefully we're going to have the director on someday down there to talk to us about that program because it's something everybody should know about. It's just a phenomenally interesting and profound learning experience. There are juniors in high school. Between their junior and senior year, they go to a French-speaking country or Spanish-speaking country, German-speaking country for some nine weeks and live with a family and have class every day. They come back pretty fluent in the language, so it's a great, great program that other states probably could emulate. Um, okay, Amy. Uh, I wanted to throw a question at what's your favorite country to visit? Well, is it, is it okay if I say France? <laughs> right, I, that, I do like France, I can't help it. What, um, yeah, what's your favorite city in France? Oh, um, it's hard. I love Paris, um, but I, you know, I did my study abroad in Dijon and I. Oh. I don't, I don't know if I've ever met a city I didn't like. <laughs> uh-huh. I, you know, I, I, I do love Paris, so I just love the, I like people watching a lot, so I like sitting in a cafe and <laughs> watching people go by. Amy, where did you do your graduate studies at? I did my master's and PhD at Boston University. Boy, what a wonderful place to, to, to have studied, a great university, yeah. but also a great the city there, too, yeah. So are you from the East Coast? I'm not. I'm actually from Colorado. <laughs> oh, dear. Whereabouts? Denver. Denver. Oh. And then I went to undergrad out on the West Coast in Tacoma, Washington. I've been a little bit of everywhere. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, um, I, much like Josh, had a, an experience where I traveled right after high school, and it, it changed my, my life. And, and uh, I, that's what I always hope to give to students, anyway. Um, so, Josh, what's your favorite place to visit in France, Paris? Oh, I have a love of Brittany. That's oh, where, wow. With, for IU Honors, that's, I was with a family in a small town called Saint-Brieuc, and I love the northern coast. So where do you want to teach at, Josh? Are you going to look in Indianapolis? Are you going to other places? Or uh, Indianapolis would be good. If uh, unfortunately, a lot of the townships are starting to leave French behind. Um, some of the townships are are really gearing up, like you said, towards Spanish, and some of them are the French programs are really weak, and they're they're starting to consider not having French anymore, so we've got to change that in Indianapolis. We definitely have to change that, and, and not just Indianapolis, around the country, uh, yeah. to, to, to get French up there on the top. Uh, so, uh, Josh, the other uh, question is, what um, what's your favorite teaching strategy? Uh, do the thing you love to do the most? Do teach grammar? Do you like to teach speaking? Which thing do you like the most? I I like to teach. Dr. Shaker has really inspired me to use music and literature to teach. I also, Dr. Ridgeway has, in our methods class, introduced us to 
total physical response storytelling, which was a technique which really piqued my interest. And it takes a lot of practice, but I think that's something I'd, I'd like to explore further because it, it really immerses students in the language and minimizes English and really, it's really interactive and really, I thought it was really fun when we had our demonstration, so. Yeah, it's, it's great, great fun. That's awesome. Um, Josh, I'm going to move over to quickly to Angie for a few minutes. Angie, can you get in the picture? I, I can, and I think Amy needs to leave Tom. I know, she has a <laughs> class, right? So, Amy, listen, I, we, we know you have a class, and we thank you so much for being on the show and enlightening us about all the wonderful things you're doing and, and the great university that where you're at and all the wonderful language programs there. So uh, have a great day and you know we'll talk later hopefully and uh, the program probably will be archived or be up uh, on the, when will that program be up? To Should be archive? tomorrow. Tomorrow, okay, terrific. Okay, uh, so Amy, uh, au revoir. And, and have a good class day, okay? Tout à l'heure. All right, thanks. Okay. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, uh, Angie, can you uh, give us a few thoughts quickly about what you do at U of I? Because I think people would be interested in all that you do there. Well, I uh, my primary responsibility is to prepare secondary teachers, but for all content areas. And then my methodology work is in teaching second languages. So I have wonderful students like Josh in my course, and um, um, I help them to understand how to deliver contextualized, authentic language and cultural experiences to students in French, Spanish, and German classes. Okay. Um, now, so uh, Angie, I know uh, somewhat uh, a lot about your teaching strategies. Angie was uh, my student teacher. Uh, a while back, two or three years ago. Yeah, two or three. <laughs> two, two, two years back. And uh, she was a student teacher in Spanish and an amazing, outstandingly creative student teacher in Spanish. And um, uh, it, it always was interesting that, that she had such incredible lesson plans every day. She always had different things going on and still does. And she's always doing these uh, new new uh, strategies and exploring new things um angie do so can you tell us a little bit about um um the teaching profession in indiana we're going to wonder a bit and talk to us a little bit about the, the political situation in indiana with uh teaching and uh, uh like wisconsin's had their troubles indiana has a few troubles uh, with, with collective bargaining for teachers and some other items that are affecting, uh, uh, I know you guys down there in the education department somewhat. Uh, could you tell the listeners a little bit about what has been going on uh, in Indiana? Well, there um, there was a change in the legislation related to property taxes, which is the primary means of funding public education in Indiana, and it has caused many of the local public school districts to have um, significant budget issues. And I think that's what Josh was alluding to, that unfortunately the fine arts and physical education and in some places modern language become part of the cut because students don't have to have those for some of those areas for the standardized testing in Indiana. And for some of the diplomas or the tracks, they don't have to have some of those courses either. So, um, you know, it really narrows the experience potentially that our secondary students have in our schools. But um, some districts have gone through um, local referendums to continue to have additional tax support for their school initiatives. I think there have been 28 referendums in Indiana. Majority has not passed. Um, but I think we will continue to see these pop up on the ballot. And as modern language educators, we have to be advocates that our local school districts have the funding, and many of them are funding just for faculty, that they have the funding to support the variety of experiences that Josh and Amy and I have talked about, because not all students excel in English language or mathematics, but their talents, you know, we very much espouse Howard Gardner's philosophy, 
their talent may lie in kinesthetic activities, physical activities, second languages, and so forth. So uh, as Josh said before, I think we have to become advocates for our own profession and our own area. Um, this is difficult. This is difficult for beginning teachers uh, because it's, it's not a great place to be is in the midst of a political debate when you're an untenured, inexperienced public school teacher. But um, our students are really keen on the advocacy because we have um, a philosophy of social justice in, on our campus. And so we, um, I hope, um, share with them ways to become advocates for their profession. Um, while maintaining, you know, a, a certainly a sense of professionalism as they do that. The, the, the big sense that I get in Indiana sometimes are, is that some of these people that make their comments about education uh, are not informed uh, or are not, as we say, in the trenches or never have been uh, about the great things that teachers do every day. And uh, just in our four shows that we've had here, and probably 12 or 15 guests, uh, if you just listen and you hear all of the things going on in education, the positive things that we never hear about uh, in our daily news, we never hear it in the news broadcast, uh, rarely do we hear good things, and uh, especially in the education front. So advocacy, I'm glad that you said advocacy because we need to do that. And uh, somewhere on Facebook the other day, I got a, <clears throat> a post from somebody who sent me a, a uh, a clip, a video clip of some area cities in northern Indiana <clears throat> that had rented space on billboards to talk about their great teachers. And I think we need to do more of this and to get to really take action. Maybe there needs to be TV ads. Maybe uh, we need to be more more visible in the media uh, uh, scene of things about uh, our advocacy for teaching. And not to, maybe we shouldn't take it for granted. I think sometimes. Uh, we, we, over the years, we may have taken it for granted that uh, most of the public, and I think they do appreciate greatly the teachers, but maybe more advocacy live uh, in the media would be a big plus. Um, Angie, the other uh, thing is, uh, how many people at, at the University of Indianapolis are enrolled uh, in your teacher ed program? I know it's a pretty big department. We have um, seven educator preparation programs here at both the undergraduate and the graduate level. Um, on the secondary side, we prepare, I mean, we're only, we're, our enrollment overall is about 5,000 students, but we prepare on the secondary side about 100 teachers a year at both the undergraduate and graduate level. And then the elementary would have its own cohort too. Mm -hmm. uh, is Josh still there? Yeah. Uh, Josh, uh, the, what about summer programs for teachers? How can we get teachers in languages, for example, to, to get more involved in the summer, maybe in immersion programs, cultural programs in overseas and other countries? so that the non-native teachers and even the native teachers uh, maybe who would like to learn another culture could get more involved because it's very difficult because if they're expensive programs uh, teachers have a, a hard time uh, with, with money they don't make that much money in the first place so how would you do you have any ideas on how we could improve that or the promotion of things like that well i know here at the university especially with teachers who professors who are Mm -hmm. The other leader who is going with us, um, Senora Patricia Cabrera, um, she's a Spanish professor. She actually, the university provided her with a with a grant. So, the exploration of internal grants like that, um, a lot of the different schools, like the Honors College, provide scholarships for international travel. Mm -hmm. So, I think if if you can explore grants and things like that, that would be one way to to heighten interest and um, get more involvement and in, in, yeah. in the one of the things too Josh that we have here in the University of Colorado Colorado Springs is um, weekend university which is basically uh, beaming out to people who are working all day every day five days a week and they really are so 
exhausted at the end of the day that they just can't come to class at night. So we have weekend university options for them. And that's really a very important part of the second language training experience. Uh, In the last few minutes of, we have about four minutes left now, Tom, uh, one of the things that I have been um, notified about is teacher exchanges within the United States of America and student exchanges within the United States of America where some of your really outstanding language students can go to other universities whether they be in uh, the USA proper or the USA territories and spend a semester there. Now that I think would be a great thing for Amy and her colleagues to consider maybe coming back here out to Colorado one more time or uh, going somewhere else. I think that sounds really good because that gives us another concept of how cultures are developed and and what the strengths are of other language programs. That's something else just to consider. And in regard to what we said earlier with the uh, push of the legislature and the communities to refine us quote unquote, to the point where where we become um, automatons in the area of, um, you know, just skill building issues. The the forgetting part seems extremely uh, difficult. A world without music, a world without art, a world without sculpture, a world without dance. I cannot imagine what a gray world that would be, you know. So there's just a lot that we have to get taken care of and advocacy is the number one way to do that I think a great topic to close on and um, if anybody would like uh, to send in some questions you can send your questions to radio uccs.edu and and we will answer them if you have any questions about the the topics that we talked about Uh, would like to close the show out invite you and thank all of the guests uh, Josh, Amy and Angie for organizing this. Uh, this was great. It was a great show and a great group of people. And we thank you and the University of Indianapolis and also the University of Colorado and Colorado Springs uh, in, for allowing us to have the show. And um, would like to close with a quote from Cervantes in, in Espanol, El hombre bien preparado para la lucha ya ha conseguido medio triunfo. And in English means preparation is half the battle, or preparation is the key to success. And then we're going to close the show with that and invite you to join us live from the Ohio World Language Conference in two weeks. And um, so all of you have a great, great day. Uh, go Bulldogs, a butler, uh, tomorrow <laughs> night. And uh, viva the Francais and, and long live French and, and Espanol and all the other languages. And uh, have a great day. And uh, so goodbye from Avon, Indiana, where it's a beautiful day. And we will see you the next time. Thank you very much for joining us. Bye. Pues gracias. Bye. You're tuned to the online radio voice of the University of Colorado in Colorado Springs, located at the foot of Majestic Pikes Peak. So keep it tuned to radio.uccs.edu. Get in touch with us on Twitter. That's UCCS Online Radio, where we keep you entertained, involved, and hopefully enthused. This program has been brought to you with the generous support of the Bethel College of Nursing and Health Sciences. Bethel College of Nursing and Health Sciences provides interdisciplinary leadership for new directions in health promotion and wellness. In addition, UCCS Online Radio thanks the UCCS College of Engineering and Applied Science for sharing sponsorship in our programming today. Their keywords are illumination, investigation, and innovation. Call them at 719-255-3542. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next week.
listening to radio.uccs.edu.